0: Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. And sadly, we are down to the last two episodes of this year's season, but. We've got some good conversation, and I'm hoping that the holidays don't keep you all away from listening to this episode and next week's, because they were really fun discussions. So this week, Andy and I had a great conversation. We kind of took a look back at 2023 and talked about some of the leadership lessons that we both individually learned um, through our work in Uncharted as a company through participating in conversation with our Uncharted community members and our experiences uh, in the clinic over this last year. So lots of lessons learned, some of them really, really good ones, some of them a little challenging, maybe a little bit painful, but um, ultimately this year was a year of growth and we had a really good time getting into the weeds discussing some of our favorite lessons learned. So now let's get into this. And now the Uncharted podcast,
1: and we are back. It's me, Doctor Andy Rourke, and the one and only Stephanie. Another turning point of fork stuck in the road, <laughs> Goss. <laughs> I love it. Uh, how's it going, Andy Rourke? Oh man, it's it's crazy. We did. Uh, just uh you know we're sitting down here to do our end of the year episode yep. and um but but as we're recording it we haven't really started the holiday yet <laughs> and so i'm just kind of like i wonder how i'm going to feel when uh when we get to the end but yeah things are good here just yeah. looking ahead um i thought that things were going to slow down a little bit right around now and they have not they have just kept gotten, on going. Got, yeah, they've just gotten super, <laughs> super busy. But yeah, we are. Uh, we are getting ready to unleash uh, the top secret project, which is it feels weird to be talking about it because it's not it's not out yet. And so we have kept this thing under wraps for a long time. But it's uh it's our leadership essential certificate that we're partnering with Vetfolio to put out. It's uh it's a big deal. And I Whenever I think about the future, I'm like, man, I wonder what people think of our certificate. Because boy, we worked hard on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited. Like this has been this has been a, a fun thing. I remember, um, I remember when you and me and Ron Sosa were sitting together and brainstorming uh, what could, where could we go. Uh, like right after Ron came on board, like our team had changed. We were imagining the future and, you know, we just started nerding out about what are, like what are the things that our community members ask us for and what are the things that our experience in practice tells us uh, in terms of people needing. And, um, you know, we were all excited about the idea of creating foundational um, building blocks to then help build on when it comes to leadership and business business skills. And so I am excited for this and I am excited. uh, You know, I think much to uh, (laughs) the team's dismay, sometimes you and I get excited about the thing that we're doing because we're also excited about the five things that come after that. And so So, um, yes. I, you know, I am excited about this, and I am also excited for what I know the future could hold, uh, and all of the other things to to come because we've got so many ideas, and uh, and it's gonna be twenty twenty four is gonna be a good year. I am excited.
1: Lots I, of new I things hope it's, a good, it's gonna be a big year. It's yeah. gonna be a real big year. Like <laughs> it, it's um, it, it's funny when we were planning this thing out. I knew at the time we were planning it out. I was like, this is the biggest project we've ever we've ever really tackled, and like. We're in it now, buddy. Uh, but people don't people don't recognize it was you know a dozen massive flip chart pieces of paper you know laid out. It's like, oh, you've seen the top half of the first one so far, right? But this yeah. is this thing is it's going to be huge, but it's just, it's exciting. It's super exciting. um, It is.
0: And it's funny because like, you know, this time of year is normally, um, like you said, normally we kind of get a lull here in the fall and, um, we get a chance to catch our breath. And I remember in the clinic, it was the same way, like school would start. And then there would kind of be this lull before the holidays started. And we, you know, did boarding and stuff. And you're always busy over the holidays if you do boarding. But, um, there was always kind of this time period where everybody got to catch up and I just feel like it's been, it's been going, going, going. And um, and here we are, it, we're recording this, you know, at the beginning of November um, and uh, we're talking about 2024, like we're already planning events. And I, like, I, ju- I literally just recorded a podcast with uh, Tyler from our team and our friend Eric Garcia. And We were talking about VMX and, uh, you know, things that are happening in January. And so It's the world feels like it's on
1: fast forward right now. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think I think that's a lot of that is us and kind of where we are. And so, you know, I was thinking about I was thinking about the last year sort of for us. And so we've we've been banging away on this project with that Folio behind the scenes, and man, they've they've been a wonderful partner. Like Mm -hmm. I really loved working with them. Um, But this thing was a huge lift, and we kind of we needed a partner to do. The, the something of the scale that we're setting up to do. And so, but it's been, it's been a lot. It's I, like, we we ironed out those details and we are filming the stuff. And like with the Leadership essential Certificate, the whole point was to make uh, a, a learning tool for the things that people really need to have if they're going to manage other people. And like, again, you have to get real specific about that and you have to really drill down. But just to say, look, if these are the things I could give you before you start leading other people or as you're leading other people. And for a lot of people is if you never had any management training, this is, if I could have you for one day, that was the general idea is, if I had one day to help you as much as I could, what would I do? And that's, that's, you know, you and I have been working with groups for the last three years, four years, and boy, we've done a lot of training and a lot of workshops, and this was you and me, in Greenville looking at all of our stuff and saying, let's build it. Let's build the first one. Yeah. And we and we did.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm excited because so. there's some of my some of my favorite stuff is in this. Like I think we've we approached it very um very holistically when we were talking about it. Like where where do I wish, if I could rewind time and look back yeah. at Uh, you know, new, (laughs) new manager, Stephanie. And uh, I would want, um, I don't know so much. I, I didn't really think about it in the context of like, how to manage other people. I think I look at this first one as like, what is the stuff that I wish that I knew wow. before I started running the practice? Because we, we do talk about stuff that's relevant to, to working yeah. with other people. Like there is, there's content in there about, um per, you know, uh, about communication styles and we've got stuff in there about giving and receiving feedback and coaching and those kind of things. And at the same time, um, part of it is also about like, how do you, bring a team together and how do you yeah. start to work together as a team? And so I'm really excited for, for that. Cause for a, nobody, that's the stuff I agree with you. That's the stuff nobody teaches us. And I'm really excited. That's why I said, I'm really excited about there's so much more because you and I have big ideas for the lessons that we, we didn't learn in terms of managing yeah. people, how to communicate with each other, the like kind of leadership stuff that we both learned a lot of it by trial and error, but also then going and seeking our own learning and knowledge outside the industry. And so I'm really excited for for all of the things that are, that are to come. But it's interesting that you brought up um, kind of looking back at the year, because um, we were talking about, you know, what could we do here at the year end uh, for the podcast? And we were talking about, we've got all of this stuff coming up. And we talked about, should we flip it forward and talk about what's coming in 2024 and I think we're excited to do that but today we're not going to do that you might think we are because we started that way but um, today we we wanted to talk about um, this year and I said you know we had so much fun having the conversation uh, with each other about some of the lessons that we learned um, and leadership lessons that we learned and it's uh, spawned some great conversations for me with some of our friends in the industry on their lessons learned and stuff and um, but I said, how about if we talk about some of the lessons that we learned this year? And and um I think one of the pieces of feedback that we get most commonly from podcast listeners is that they love when we talk about what's, you know, what's happening in our lives and in our in our own experiences. And um, you know, we've we've learned so much and we've grown up so much in so many ways as a as a team, as a company. Um, and as an industry, there's been so much change this last year. And so I think you and I were like, Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about this last year and kind of our our top takeaways like what are what are some of the things that uh that we learned that we want to move into 2024 with and so I think this one will probably be a little bit different we'll probably dive into a little bit of headspace and and action steps but more than anything I think we wanted to have a conversation about what are some of the things that 2023 taught us
1: yeah I um I kind of gave up on New Year's resolutions a couple of years ago, right? I Maybe mean, probably more than a couple, but I just um they never they just never worked for me. And I, you know, I just I don't know. I, I was always kind of like this isn't gonna work or this what, what what am I doing here? And and I started so I started thinking about I really like having an end-of-year ritual. And the ritual that has worked for me and really stuck is a, a good reflection on the last year and like what what have I learned? what, what would I take away? What, what, what am I glad that I experienced so that I can take that forward? And, uh, it's much less about, you know, committing to something in the future and more about just stopping and, and and sitting with what happened in the last year. And so I really like that. It's just sort of a way of sort of, I don't know, enjoying life a bit more. And so when we start talking about this and we're looking here, we're here doing our sort of end of the year episode and we're sort of looking back. I, um, it's, it's been a, it's been a, Fascinating year. It's been kind of a tumultuous <laughs> year for me personally. Yeah, uh, it's but not not bad. Just it's been hard. It's been a hard year. Um, it's been a hard year. And so I don't know. I'm 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 happy to sort of talk about that. I would tell you, I said this to somebody recently. Um, I can tell you, I can look you in the eye and tell you that I am better at my job now than I was a year ago. Like I can, I have no doubts that I'm better at my job than I was a year ago. And it's because of hardship, you know? And so it's it's funny because it's like the only way that you know that you're better at your job is by struggling. Because if you don't struggle, you don't know that you're better. Like I can look back and go, yeah, I would do that differently. Right. Yeah, I would set that up differently. Mm, yeah, I would have intervened faster there and sl- <laughs> and slower in this other place. Um Sure. And and I know why I would do that. And in the future, I will do that, which is why I know that I'm better. Um, but you have to be able to look back and say, a year ago, this is where I was, and I would I would not do that again. Um and so anyway, that's that's kind of that's kind of where I am as I sort of look back on on the year. No regrets and everything has worked out really well, but um boy, I, I just it was a year of growth for us. Uh just sort of looking back, for me, a couple of things happened we basically doubled in size our team doubled in size and boy that really stretched our infrastructure the way we talked to each other keeping people on the same page was a much bigger problem than it's ever been in the past um, just the way that we communicate sharing information just just that those sorts of things um, that stuff was a big deal. Um, people's job descriptions was a much bigger deal than it's ever been before because we have so many people. And just uh, not having people step on each other's toes, and again, like these are these were all challenges. You know, we've handled them at some level, but just as you grow quickly, and then also it's a combination of growing quickly, so your infrastructure gets stressed. And when, I'm going to we're going to tie this back to vet clinics because the same thing there is. But you bring in, you grow quickly. You know, you go from two doctors to four doctors and support staff for those doctors. This it's, it's the same thing, but uh, the systems that you have get stressed, and then onboarding is really an art, there's a significant art to onboarding. And I learned a lot about effective onboarding. uh, When when you can't just baby one person, like I've always been able to bring on kind of one to maybe two people at a time, and really baby that person. But man, when you've got a half dozen people kind of onboarding at the same time, you can't baby them the same way. And I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about about doing that. and so there's a, a boy I learned a ton and in my personal so personally, you know I was funny. I was kind of looking back and I kind of have a journal that I just sort of jot things down in every now and then I was paging through it over the weekend just just because and I saw notes from last Thanksgiving and uh it was last Thanksgiving and my wife was just starting radiation therapy. Mm-hmm. she was start she was like she held off on starting it until after the Thanksgiving holiday. and so I was Thanksgiving and I was wondering what this was going to be like, you know, and things like that for, for breast cancer. And, um, you know, everything has gone great because people always want to know, uh, you brought it up. But, um, it was, last year was a lot of uncertainty and it was a lot of perspective taking for me, you know, like, I don't know, work just didn't seem all that important for a good part of the year. Um, I think that's, that's probably a good thing. That's something I'll hold on to forever is like Mm -hmm. clarity of perspective about what really matters. But, um, but anyway, those are sort of, that's where the story of of my year i think and and I'm happy to sort of share the lessons that I learned what would you think back about the story of your year stephanie like how, how do you how do you see it like what were the big what were the it's, big factors for you?
0: It's funny because I think mine uh for completely different reasons um yeah. has is is very parallel to to yours like i think um the lesson uh and the as far as the team goes and like our growth and change as a as a company um has yeah has been a lot like my first lesson that i thought of was like we learned very much the the way, the hard way, I guess, that is by doing that. Mm-hmm. What works with one doctor doesn't work when you have five. Yeah. Like you've got, and and I knew that because I have done that journey in the clinic. And yet I don't know why I expected it to be different yeah. <laughs> in, in, in our in our company. But it is true. Like there is growth and the things that you pointed out, um, knowing how to communicate with each other, having clear roles and responsibilities and job descriptions. Like we went through, through that journey together as a as a group and i think the thing for me um this year as far as as far as work goes like this year was a lot about uh learning to step back for me um and it's interesting because i i would agree like i think you have grown so much like i can see so much growth in you and change in you um over this last year and um i can i can see it in myself but i remember when we were onboarding um a bunch of our new team members all all at once and um, and it was it was fun and exciting. And it was also painful for me because, and I mean that in a good way, like I, my whole career to this point being in the clinic, like onboarding is my jam. Like I love it. I love talking about team culture and building. And that is like, that is my place. And this year was really, for me, was about um, stepping back and, and leaning into the pleasure of getting to watch Like you do some of that and, and with a bigger group, like you've done it with this, with our smaller team. And it was really fun to like, watch you grow and change as a, as a leader. And like, I, there have been moments when we've done podcast episodes where, you know, I'm like, Oh, Andy, Andy, Andy said it first. Like he said, what would your handbook say? Or he's like, well, you know, what would you do with, <laughs> what would you do with, yeah. with job descriptions? And it just, it's been really exciting for me. And at the same time, it's been really hard because I am an, I'm a natural doer. Like I want to help, I want to get things done. And so, um, the inclination for me is to go into problem solving mode and just do the thing um and so this year i think the growth for the growth for me and the the lessons have been about um about learning to step back and uh, and sit back um and uh but i would i would agree with you like the number one at the top of my list was definitely that idea that what works with one doctor doesn't work with five and you've got to figure that that out for yourself and there's no going around it like it no. is the mountain that everyone has to climb there is no going around it if you make those changes you will have to figure it out and the journey to figure it out is going to be different like our journey as a team was different than anybody else's because we're made up of different human beings that bring different things to the table but the the actual journey is the same you know one that all of us have to go on like there's no skirting around that um yeah. I and think
1: then that's a Go I think ahead. it's important. No, no, I, I just, I think that that's, I think that that's really important. I think that was, that was one of the lessons for me as well. Is, um, there's a, it's always great to get advice, and there's definitely smarter ways to approach problems than other ways. There are some problems that are just going to be painful. They're going to be hard, and a lot of it, it revolves around other people and human beings. Meaning, you're trying to get a group of people onto the same page and get them to communicate that that's not, it's not a computer problem where you're like, oh, if I run the right code, everything will click into place. You go, no. And especially you've got people who have done things a certain way, and now you're asking them to do it a different way. And it's, uh, it's just, I don't think that there's any way to, that that's not hard. It's always going to be hard. I don't know. I don't care how graceful or smart you are. I think, I think that I kind of naively thought, that I could talk my way through it in a fairly pain-free way, and I just, I, I just, I don't, I don't think that's possible. It's too complicated. There's too many people who have too many different expectations and wants and needs and concerns and fears, and, you know, and insecurities, and like you're just going to have to manage your way through that. And it doesn't have to be terrible. Yes. It doesn't. But I, I just, I don't think it's an easy path. But I, but I think the alternative, which is not doing it. I think that's a worse path.
0: Yes, I, 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 it's funny uh, that you said that because I think um, the second, the second thing for me really was getting to this place where I realized and truly, I think, understood that um, for true growth to happen and for us to really get to a happy place, but, but get to a place of, of good communication and, and safety and like where, you know, when you just, you walk in the door to the clinic and everybody is happy to be there. You've got puppies and kittens, everybody's working well together. The emergency walks in the door and it just runs so smoothly and everything just gels. Like when you have a day like that, to get to that place where everything just jams so smoothly, like it it takes the hard work and it takes being uncomfortable and it, there will be painful parts and it, and that growth you know we don't we don't grow without dis- discomfort and I, so i think for me like the second thing was really um focusing a lot we d- we did a lot of focusing as a as a team and as a group this year on communication because you know when you're small it's like when you have one doctor and you're all working in the same space you can shout out things to each other and communicate yep. across the room right <laughs> when you move into, yeah. uh, you know, a 4,000 square foot building that has, you know, an upstairs and a downstairs, you have to learn how to communicate differently because it doesn't work to just shout across the treatment room to somebody else yeah. and have things happen. And it was the same for us within our team. Um, and so we did a lot of focusing on, on communication and kind of the foundational stuff. And so I think for me, the lesson that I learned is if we really truly want to create a space base. And I I knew this from the clinic, how important psychological safety and good communication within a team was, I knew how important that was, because in the clinic, I had experienced it being really, really good. And I had experienced it being really challenging and the space in between. And so I kind of knew that lesson. But again, I don't know why I just assumed it would maybe be radically different not being in the clinic. It's like, you know, doing it as a team. But I just really came to that place where I realized that if we want to have psychological safety and we want to communicate really well and we want to work really t- well together, when you're a group made up of human beings, like you all have to get okay with being uncomfortable and leaning into the fact that it's not always going to be puppies and kittens and it's going to be hard work. Um, and we have to be okay with with that um, discomfort. And I think this year was a lot of learning that lesson for me of just sitting with the, sitting in the moment, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I think, I think there's, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I think, I think the, the defining, if overarching theme for me, if I had to be like, what was, what was the Andy work chapter? Uh, the title of the chapter this year was Patience. It was, it was learning to sit in discomfort uh, as opposed to just Flailing around and trying to fix things because sometimes we flail around and we make it worse uh, than if we just sit with it for a little bit. Um, and and I am start. I guess I just I would start. I would start with that. I would sort of say it's it's um, it's patience. So key things for me this year, um, I. I, I was thinking about this recently and, and it came to me because so we do our, our all hands meetings on on Friday was we get everybody together and talk about how the week went. And we would we had a lot of meetings that were absolutely great. And we were like, man, this is amazing. Everything is going really well. High five. And we we keep a really positive attitude. Uh, but then we had other weeks where things would sort of end and everybody would kind of be like, wah, wah, like, <laughs> oh, it was hard. Uh, all right. We we made it. And again, like we're human beings. And so even with the most positive culture, you still have these times when you're like, that was hard. Mm-hmm. And But the thing that I realized at some point about halfway through the year was how radically different one Friday was to the next Friday. And there would be Fridays where I'd be like, this is amazing, this is the best job ever. And then next Friday, would be like, wah, wah. <laughs> and when when I realized how often I went from one to the other in one week, it kind of clicked in my brain, how much can change in one week? And so that was one of the first things about patience is there's things that happen and you go, oh my gosh, this, we've got to fix this. This person can't continue to believe this or say this or whatever. And it's like, it's amazing how much, just a little bit of time, 48 to 72 hours makes in how you feel about things and how big they seem. And it's it's always scary to talk about things that are big or try to fix big problems. And so for I'm just trying to think of like an example like to, to make up, but it would be something like um just say that you got uh you had an angry client. Like you had an angry client at the clinic. Man, the day that that happens, it feels big, especially if the thing they're angry about feels valid. Sure. Like you're like this is awful. It feels so huge. If you can just not freak out for 48 hours, if you can just get through two days, three days most, you, it's not gonna seem like that big a deal. You're gonna, it's like, yeah, it's a thing, and yeah, we're gonna have to deal with it, but it is not catastrophic, and like, I finally had that emotional maturity, I think, to say, just because you are wildly uncomfortable right now doesn't mean you have to do something. You know, You can just sit here and relax, and you can start to think about what you want to do, but if you give this a couple—I'm not talking about not calling the client; we deal with the client—but just as far as like perspective on on the team and the and the company, it's amazing how much a couple of days will give you peace and help you get some better perspective. And so, anyway, that's that's true. It's true. With like dealing with with people, you'll you'll have a behavior that you don't like, and it feels like if you don't jump all over this right now it's going to be catastrophic. And the truth is, as long as you don't let it go, it's probably, you know, in a couple of days, it won't seem like that big a deal to you. It won't seem like that big a deal to the person who was involved in it. And it can just be an easier conversation in some cases to to, just to give things a little bit of time. And the last part is, you know, sometimes it's funny, I'll go home and I'll just be exhausted, you know, so you're just kind of burned out and you go home and you're like, this is terrible. I think the knowledge that you know what? I bet that I won't think this is terrible at the end of the week. If I can just, if I still feel like this is terrible one week from now, I'm going to really think about doing something differently. And like, I th- i learned to say that to myself and I would make a note on my calendar, like pay attention. And the truth is a week later, I'm riding high because I had, you know, I got thank you notes and, you know, somebody was, was really excited about what we did and we had some, you know, some wins, some great outcomes. And it's just amazing how often I can say to myself, all right, I'm going to make a note of this. And if in one week I still feel this way and I have continued to feel this way, we're gonna make we're gonna get serious. And we're just gonna see where we are. It's amazing how often a week later I'm like, you know what? That was not a big deal. I was ta- I was taking that way too personally. It's not a big deal. And so anyway, that, that's those are the first part of patience that I that I kinda learn.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. I think I think I've been thinking about it a lot in the context of the podcast. And you know, we get such wonderful, um, such wonderful emails in the mailbag. And that's one of my favorite parts of my job is getting to read through all of the messages from all of you uh, listeners is so much fun. And I think about it and I was looking back at a lot of the letters that we got this year and realizing how many of them had to do with the uncomfortable. And a lot of it has to do with conflict. A lot of it has to do with communication, uh, miscommunication, challenging personalities, toxic cultures. like there's so many different facets of it, and at the same time, like I think at the heart of it for a lot of us, um, is discomfort, you know, and and the hard the hard stuff. And the reality is, like, we can't ignore the hard stuff. And so I think I love, I love your perspective because I think a big part of the healthy work uh, this year for, for me was like defining some of those rules for myself and giving clarity to those rules of like, what, what am I going to do for processing time? Like, how am I, how am I going to decide if this is uncomfortable to your point? Is this uncomfortable in the moment? Cause we're all having a bad day or is this uncomfortable And I actually need to do something about it, whether it's, you know, dealing with a client who was who was maybe maybe over the top nasty to someone in the practice or dealing with a team member who was, you know, having a bad day and was really, you know, mean to another team member. Okay, you can recognize that they're having a bad day, but that doesn't necessarily mean the behavior doesn't need to get called out. And I I was thinking about how often um, we get messages that have to do with uh, avoiding the uncomfortable and, you know, cause it's part of the human experience. Like none of us want to deal with the, the, uncom- the discomfort and the the suck, you know, but, um, I think that has been part of the, the journey. And honestly, one of the things we have several people on our team, um, and you are, you are one of those people, but like you, you, cause you will acknowledge and you do not like conflict. <laughs> you are are not a, you are not a conflict person. Um, and I have seen, uh, I have seen you grow tremendously, I think in terms of your, like, uh, like the way that you approach it and the way that you're looking at it. And, um, I, we, we have, uh, our teammate, Tyler has set some goals for herself this year on communication. And it's been really fun. Like she and I have had some really great conversations about, the hard conversations and how do we have, how do we have them and like working through some of them. And um, it's amazing how often as human beings, we tell ourselves stories in, in our heads and how often we make things so much bigger than they actually are. And like that it's, it's amazing how many times I've had like follow-up conversations with friends with, even with my kids, but you know, or with you where it's like this thing that we were dreading and then we, we deal with it and we deal with the conflict. We're like, Oh, that really wasn't, (laughs) wasn't as bad as I was expecting, or it was as bad as I was expecting, but I feel so much better for having dealt with it. And I think that's part of what I love getting about getting to do this podcast with you is we get so many of those messages from people who are like, what do I do? And it's, it's, I always laugh at how often you all give us the answer in your, in the, in the letters, like they, they, people know what they want, what they need to do, but they're just afraid of that uncomfortableness and that, that the conflict,
1: you know, there are. They're hoping that we'll tell them something that they don't. It's like you, like you clearly know what has to happen here. Hundred percent. So, all right. So, so you and I talk about communication styles a lot, and so uh, actually, back to our leadership essentials certificate with Venfolio, Uh Stephanie has Stephanie's got a session on uh, communication styles because people communicate differently, and that is, is a thing is is one of the sessions that we cover because it's so important. Anyway, when you teach that, one of the things that I love is the fact that there's. There's research backing up the idea that our communication styles can absolutely change over time. Yes, you know, and my my favorite example of this is, and I hate to gender it, but it is the research is this way. Um, One common time that we see people's communication styles is in mothers who have when they become when when women have children. uh, They that is a time in your life when your communication style might actually change, and it tends to become more direct because you often have little people and you don't have the time to not be clear about what you want. And it it leaches out into the way you talk and, and the way you communicate with others. And so there is research saying that, uh, it's in women, but I don't think it probably has to be, but it's it's people when they have little kids can get more direct in their communication. And you understand why. I think that this 100% also happens if you're leading a team, and that team gets to be a certain size. Because when you've got, first of all, when you're not in charge, you can be non-confrontational AF. Right. And <laughs> when you have a couple of people, you can you can do the soft touch. You can kid glove them. You can be like, hey buddy, um, listen, how you feeling? You know, uh, things good? And then you can take 27 minutes to get around to, hey, look, um, could you wipe down the exam room like when you're done? Is that I mean, is that okay? Like you get to like, and you can do that because you got three people. <laughs> and at some point though, you get enough people, you just like it's just necessity. You're like, hey, I need you to don't forget to don't forget to wipe down the exam rooms, please. Thank you, my friend. And that's it. And you just say it because that's all the time that you have. And like I definitely hit that part of my life. Of just being like, look, that's it. And it started the way the way I started this journey. And this is what we teach when we teach conflict management stuff. But it's like for me, the big motivator was at some point I realized I had to pick my poison, which means I can either spend 27 minutes asking someone to do the appointment, uh, to walk down the exam room, which I don't have, and I can do it again and again because people are gonna keep forgetting, or I can and I can live with that suffering of having to have this long thing, or I can live with the suffering of just being direct kind, and I can I can do this well. But I can live with the awkwardness of saying, "Hey, I have to ask you for a favor. Will you do this thing for me, please? Thank you, my friend. I really appreciate it." And then go on, and I'm like, "Boy, the suffering of the latter is a lot less than the suffering of the former." And I am I don't have I don't want any more suffering, and so I just do it. But I recognized it, and you—you uh, you were not there. It was when uh, Maria and I were working together, and you were—you were out. I, I regret it because I wish you'd seen this because you would have absolutely died. And so uh, we were—we were working together with this group in person, and so me and Maria Prita were there, and uh, we were doing the case studies. And we told them, we said, "Okay, you've got this. Um, you have a gossip problem in your practice. You've got a gossip, and it's coming from the lead technician." And that's like, you've diagnosed it. Let's go ahead. Let's jump. In. How do we address this problem? We were just talking at a high level. So great. That's what it is. How do we address this problem? And the first person raises her hand and goes, we hold a team meeting about gossip. <laughs> and I just sat, just sat there. And I looked at this person. I was like, that's Andy Rourke from seven years ago. Like that is un- like, I... I saw this person so clearly and I, 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 just, I almost I almost burst out laughing. It was so <laughs> funny. Like, you have a gossip problem and it comes from this one person. Hold a team meeting about gossip. <laughs> was, and it's funny because this other person who'd been a manager for a long time was like, I would just go talk to the person <laughs> and tell them, them it's acceptable." But it was, so I asked the person who said that, I was like, why do you say that? And she's like, because I hate conflict. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. And, and so it's so funny. And I said, I said to the group, okay, what's going to happen when she goes and has a team meeting? And the first thing, another person goes, the people who really try hard and bust their butts are going to freak out because they think the meeting's about them. <laughs> and the person who's doing the gossiping will be like, Psh, that person needs to shut up. <laughs> and it was, it was just—it was this perfect picture of conflict-averse Andy from eight years ago. You know, like just being like, Gu- "Guys, I need to bring everybody together," as opposed to just being like, "Gosh, you're killing me. I need you. To, like, you gotta stop, buddy. You gotta stop." Like, oh, oh, that's- so so funny. But like, I saw my younger self in this person in that moment it has
0: been, uh, it has been fun this year to like, look back and see, okay, we've, we've grown, whether it's like seeing changes that we have made as a whole group, or like I said, there have been moments where I have watched uh, you and I've been trying to, uh, to be good about telling you, because as a leader, like one of the painful lessons that I learned in the clinic was just because you're the leader doesn't mean that you don't need to hear feedback. And, good good and the constructive right like you need you need both uh and so I've been trying to be intentional about about uh giving you praise the way that you praise the rest of the team because it is uh it is important to to hear it back but there have definitely been moments where I've sent you a message and I'm like oh do you see your do you see old do you see old Andy do you see, do you see yourself and what what is happening right now
1: uh again <laughs> like it you can you can do it with five people. with five people, you can be everybody's friend and bounce around. But when you cross, you know the twelve person mark heading up, you know, I just I, I you know, at some point I'm like, there's just not enough hours in a day to not be more direct. Uh, that does not mean mean. You know, you, um, you just had an episode when we're recording this, like, like you had the episode with Phil Richmond that you t- you two did that just came out. and I didn't listen to it. But Phil Richmond. <laughs> Uh, Just kidding. It was a great episode. Um, (laughs) Phil Richmond has this saying where he says, honesty without empathy is cruelty. And it's sort of like, you can be direct. That does not mean you have to be cruel. Like you can be very nice and also just matter of fact about what you need. But like, that's, that's been a huge thing that I learned is picking my poison and just say it. And I will also tell you, like, when you have more people, Oftentimes not saying it clearly that talk about picking your poison, like it's a lot worse poison to sort it out later because people imply different things. And then you're cleaning things up and you're trying to get people back together. When you could have stopped it all by just saying, just so everybody knows, this is not what we're doing. Like this is, I just want to be clear. This I'm not interested in doing this. This is not, this is not where we're going. But you know, and, and some people are not gonna like that, but I'm gonna say it clearly now. And then we're going to go on. But I do not want to have to sort it out individually.
0: Well, it's like you were saying, when you when you have a bigger team and you don't have the 27 minutes to have the like roundabout conversation before you finally ask somebody to do something, you want to be more direct and be be clear. And the 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 level up that we've kind of been learning to make as a as a group and as a team is not only do you have to be clear but you have to think ahead and set it up for success to be like, what is my expectation? Like, I don't just want it to happen this one time that you clean the exam room. Yeah. Right. But I need it to happen every time. And so figuring out how to um, be clear and really leaning into, um, you know, A. Brown says clear, you know, clear is kind. And and really leaning into how do we make our expectations known. And I think that kind of goes along with the, the idea that the bigger the team gets, it it really is a different process. And, you know, you can say to somebody when there's three of you, I want you to go clean the exam room and it can get done really clearly. But to your point, like when you say to a team of 10, I need somebody to go clean the exam room. Not only is there going to be the, well, is he actually talking to me? Do I need to go do it? But I'm doing this thing and that's more important than what you're doing. And there's all of that. But then there's also the if you ask 10 people how to go clean the exam room, you're probably going to get at least 5 different answers. And so and so if I as the leader have an expectation in my head like I need to be able to communicate that, you know, really really clearly. And so I think that there has been a lot of that um that growth for us is figuring out, you know, with that that clarity and I and I think a lot of um the lesson that we both have have learned but that um i think has has been kind of your mantra for part of this year is uh you know uh, we need to slow down to be able to go fast and oh, stop stop reading my mind yeah. <laughs> but i but i really do think that like recognizing that change happens and it does not happen overnight like we're, oh, a ch- yeah. we're a change averse industry where uh, if everybody listening probably can think of it, you know, at least two people on their team who hate change because <laughs> that's, that's just us at but oh, you
1: know? I, I love change. I know. And it's freaking ha- it's yes. hard. It's hard. Changing yourself is hard. So uh, no, I'm going to tee up. I'm going to tee up on this because that was exactly my next point and kind of where I was going is one of the big lessons for me was slowing down to go fast. And I have always gone fast to go fast, and it has worked really well for me. Don't get me wrong. Right. I get more stuff done than anybody I know. Basically, you know, like I just. I again. I'm not trying to. Not. It's it's not all positive stuff. (laughs) stuff. The the cappuccino machine at work. (laughs) It it is. I, I crank out espresso and I get stuff done. And you know, maybe, maybe not, maybe maybe not things that need to get done, but they get done. But um, but like like I have always gone fast to go fast. And so going back to the example of like cleaning the exam room, and I learned you know with this growth and really in the last year, um. The get This goes back to patience because this is really hard for me because patience is not my strength. Right. But me, my growth in the last year has been developing the internal strength, and it is strength. It is an effort for me. It's exhausting for me to hold back and to not go around individually and tell everybody to clean the exam room. Right. <laughs> because it's not done yet. Right. But that is wildly because what I found is. If I, I just, like, you need to clean the exam room. Hey, somebody clean the exam room. Guys, can, can somebody clean the exam room? What happens is nobody can clean the exam room right now. And I'm mad, but I have no idea what they're dealing with. And so I'm being unfair. I'm getting frustrated. And the people who care the most are the people who are feeling the most pain because they know that I'm angry or they know that I'm frustrated. And they're doing their absolute best and they still can't get there. And that makes them upset. And like, those are good people that you don't want to burn out. And so, so the first thing is, I, I, You know, my, my my instinct is go around and rattle cages till it's gets done, which works at a small scale. But then what happens is everybody gets loose at once and they all show up in the exam room at one time. And now they're arguing with each other over who's supposed to clean the exam room. and Or someone's in there cleaning it and someone else says, hey, after they're three quarters of the way done, someone sees them and goes, hey, I already did that. And they're like, oh, I wondered why this is going so fast. But still, they just spent time <laughs> doing something that somebody else had already done because I asked another person. And they're doing it in ra- radically different ways, you know? And then um, all those things, I know it sounds silly, but all these things are true and they're an analogy for everything else that happens. And so, hear me out. As the team has expanded, I have had to learn to be patient and You know, yes, I would tell someone, "Hey, could you clean that exam?" Hey, you, can you clean that? You person, uh, can you do that for me? And and just ask, and just be okay with it. But if I want to fix this problem, ultimately it involves slowing down. It probably means bringing all the texts together, not just one, which means I probably have to wait until the end of the week or next week when we have a meeting, and I'm like, "You got to wait until next Wednesday to tell everybody about cleaning the examiners. Yes, you do, because otherwise you're just making noise, you're you sending Slack messages or emails, and they're getting a ton of them. And, you know, it's like going fast means everybody hears the same thing and they hear it together and they can all ask questions and they can all get the same information. And now we're all on the same page and we can all move forward. And it might also mean the doctors need to be there. It might mean that I need to speak separately to the doctors. The doctors get this information and you go that's ridiculous i in my experience i shot myself oh, I, say, I shot myself in the foot so many times the last two years of pushing to go fast and then spending twice as much time doubling back because some people did not get the message and they're frustrated or they were confused or they didn't know what was happening and i honestly at some point it becomes faster to wait until next wednesday and do this right and communicate it to everybody and then start holding people accountable than it does to run around and try to have a half dozen side conversations which are just going to confuse people and they're going to talk to each other and get information at different times it's just going to be a mess yeah and so like that internal strength to add the problem to the agenda next wednesday as opposed to attack the (laughs) problem right now god that's hard (laughs) But it is like I'm learning, and but it has been so challenging. For yeah, it, but it's good. But it's, it's good. Like I, I, I know it's the right thing to do, and I know I'm proud. I am proud of how far I've come in yeah. doing that. Man, it's not easy. Yeah.
0: Well, you should be because you've you've worked really really hard. I mean, the whole team has worked hard, but like as a, as a leader, like you really leaned into this is a, str- this is a challenge for me. Like this is not my strong suit. And I recognize that I have to overcome it. And so I'm going to work on it. I think it's the same. It's the same too. I think uh, from the clinic perspective, because I remember being, I remember being in the practice and I remember, us. I remember growing it, um, very quickly and feeling like all of these things are breaking. Like, it's all breaking. Cause we've got 10 new people that we're trying to train at once. I like coming out of COVID and we had hired a bunch of people and it was great and everything was falling apart. And I remember feeling like we've got to plug all these holes right this second. And there was so much flailing about trying to solve all the problems at once. And it was really, really painful and it was messy. And there was lots of confusion and lots of miscommunication and um, the lesson of, learning to slow down and just telling myself and which has really become a mantra, um, you know, is that you've got to, you've got to slow down. Like it's Rome, Rome was not built in a day. And the only person that has the expectation that this problem get fixed tomorrow is, is probably actually me. Like the, the, you know, the, the reality is, the, maybe it's the kind of problem that clients expect that you fix right away and like knowing how to prioritize those things. But the vast majority of the challenges, um, particularly when we're talking about communication challenges and conflict challenges within our teams, those things don't change overnight because they didn't get that way overnight. It's like the skank mouth that comes in, you know, and you get that chihuahua mouth and you open it and the owner's like, I need to get on your dental schedule tomorrow. Yes yes, there's disease here. and Yes, we've got work that we need to do. And you know full well that you're probably going to extract half that mouth, but it didn't get that way overnight. And it is okay. We can do the education. We can start the steps and we can get them on the schedule, you know, three weeks from now when we can fit them in. It does not have to have to be an emergency. And it's funny how we know that and how easily that comes when it's the conversation about that chihuahua mouth. But when it comes to our own teams and it comes to the the human beings, like we struggle so much with that, myself included, to remind myself, I don't have to fix this overnight, and it's even if I want to fix it overnight, I can't fix it overnight. It's going to take time,
1: and we have to sit with that discomfort sometimes. Yeah, I, I mean, God, you and I are so open each other's heads right now, but like <laughs> I, that was like you talk about sitting with discomfort. That is sitting in discomfort, and to know, yes, this is a problem, and it is not a high enough priority for me to pull the resources away and direct them at this problem to make that worthwhile. And so, I am going to sit here and allow this problem to continue, not because I can't fix it, not because I don't know how to fix it, because it's not the right time to fix it, and I have other priorities that we are addressing and this is going to get fixed, but not right now. God, that's hard, but it's absolutely vital. Let's uh let's take a short let's take a short break here. Okay. And then we'll come back and I want to talk about I want to talk about I want to talk about your, what I've seen in you in the last year and the number one, like, because you've grown as well. And I want to, I want to give, I'm going to fluff your pillows uh, when we get back. Fluff your pillows and talk about the growth I've seen in you and what it's meant to me. So let's, let's take a quick break and we'll get back. Okay. It's
0: finally here. That's right. Our very first Uncharted Certificate. What's that, Stephanie? Well, I'm glad you asked. See, Andy and I had a conversation along with the members of the Uncharted team where we were wondering, what skills does a leader have to have? And we talked about the fact that as leader, you have the ability to shape your team's culture. And there are some very specific skills that are needed. And unfortunately, those kind of skills are most often not taught to us. And so we sat down and outlined seven of the crucial building block skills that any leader should have and we are putting it out into the world with our in partnership with our friends at NAVC and Vetfolio we have launched the certificate through Vetfolio's platform so it is seven workshops that are all broken out into modules we start with talking about building trust and relationships how to set a vision for a team and even a more granular how to figure out what your core values are as a human, as a smaller team within a bigger team, and as a practice as a whole, and then how to use those core values to make decisions, to communicate, to really run your practice as a well-oiled in-sync team. We talk about communication styles and using DISC as a tool for how you communicate better and more effectively as a team. We talk about how to give feedback, how to do coaching, and that applies whether you're someone positional boss or not. We have to talk to each other as human beings in practice. And so we dive into how do we do that and how do we do it in a way that feels less scary than it might feel to some of us. We talk about how to get team buy-in, how to get everybody excited about ideas and initiatives in our practice. We talk about how to set priorities and then how to achieve those priorities and get stuff going done I am thrilled that this is now available for all of you and there's much more where this came from so head on over to unchartedvet.com forward slash certificates that's right certificate with an s at the end and check out the Leadership Essentials course. You can get the link from there to Vetfolio. You can buy one piece. You can buy all seven and get the certificate as a whole. But either way, we are so excited. And now, back to the podcast.
1: All right. So, you know, you've been very kind. and But I, I, I want to point out one of the things that I saw with you as oh wait before before
0: you change the subject i am gonna you have to put on your own crown because i'm super proud of you friends like this year has been really really hard and that is one of the lessons you have taught me and you have uh, i have learned and i have changed and i'm becoming more comfortable with like being in the spotlight and, and yes and but you too, it's the same, like you deflect the compliments and you're going to sit here for a second because like the growth as a leader has has been huge. And I think it's funny because one of the things we did with our community this year was um, have them like look back and force them to like sit, hold the trophy, man. Like take the, take the time to like let it sink in because to your point about setting um, New Year's resolutions, like so often we look ahead uh from the perspective of like well this was a hot mess and so here's how i'm going to fix it next time and i think there this has been so just the conversation so far has been so much fun because thinking about the things we're talking about it there's been a lot that has gone sideways but so much that has been good about this last year and so oh, much yeah. growth and i think it's really important for you as a leader to like just sit here for a second and like be really proud of yourself and your team and the kind of space in veterinary medicine that you're helping us all make because it
1: is well, it is a good place. Well, thank you very much. That really means a lot. So I will I will hold that trophy. I appreciate that. Good. Yeah, it's been, I mean, yeah, it's 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 been good. And again, like we we had, we said we had a biz, big year. We tackled really big projects and some of it didn't work. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we ran into headaches and we're like, this is not, this is not the solution we thought it was going to be, and we're going to backtrack. And like that's, that's just kind of kind of what it is. Yeah. It was, some of the things that I've seen you do well. One of the personal thing, and one's the an organizational thing. But your your comfort in stepping up and and presenting in public and being in the spotlight that was not what you like. You you like doing podcasts where you sit in your closet and you just talk to me. <laughs> And that's basically what it is, you know, like, you're just like, I'm very comfortable. It's a true story. It blew, it 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 was so funny how off guard I was caught the first time you had a panic attack, going to talk to like 50 of the nicest people that I knew. And I was like, what is wrong with you? We talked to, we talked to literally 10,000 people a week. Uh, you know, on the podcast, and you were just like, <laughs> "I was like, there's like 50 people, and they're all nice. We know these people." And you were like, "Oh my god!" And so you, and then I saw you this year in a room of like 600 in ABC, and I couldn't, I couldn't get into the room. They were like, "I'm sorry, sir, this room is full." Here you can like, come in. It was so funny. I only got in because Eric Garcia was there, and he he has power and let me in. That's the only reason I got in. <laughs> but like so so what is that but from the organizational standpoint um you have really grown in running and managing big projects and we just didn't do a lot of big projects but the classic stephanie goss approach which i hope you don't mind me letting it out of the bag but yeah. it was uh, it was procrastinate procrastinate panic and get it all done and like bam But that doesn't work when you're doing international (laughs) programming, you know what I mean? And like, we're setting down one year agendas, you know, for these, for these projects that we're working on, um, they're just huge and you have adjusted and adjusted and pushed farther forward and gotten, just grown your discipline in being like, I know that there's no screaming deadline right now, but I also recognize and understand the scope of this project and know there's an internal deadline that I've created that has to be honored and met and communicated. And I just feel like neither one of us, buddy, had experience in running projects of the scope that we have been doing recently. And so, sort of tying that back to the Vet Clinic, you know. At some point, you're talking about getting AHA certified, or you're talking about changing your PIM system, you know, or you're talking about building a new building. Like, those are projects of a scope so far beyond starting an employee of the month program. Right. (laughs) Like not even remotely. But like (laughs) and you gotta you gotta manage them differently. And you have got to really lean into that patience. You've got to think farther ahead. You have to be disciplined in starting the work and setting your own deadlines. And like that's I don't know I'd like to hear you comment on that. But you and I are both creative people. And I worked the same way for a long time in that like, you know, deadlines would show up and I would stay up all night and get the stuff done. And like at some point, one, I ain't young enough to do that anymore. And then, <laughs> True and I'm, story. But then, but then true, the other thing is the project gets so big, you can't, yeah. like, it's not a one-night project. It yeah. is, you know, it, you need to be working on it. And so I what I have seen from you in the last year is your ability to run big programs, and we're running some big programs, um, has just really leveled up multiple times. So congratulations to you on that. That's, that's what I have seen uh, uh, in you, and I've mentioned other people.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and and I think it's it's so funny. Um, I have no problem with you calling me out part because that is just my personality since I was a kid. True. It's <laughs> you know, I'm a procrastinator, um, and I work well under pressure. Uh, our our friend Phil Richmond, uh, in fact, he and I <laughs> will will often text each other when we're doing our last minute procrastination work because we're two peas in a pod in that way. And I also think that being in the practice, like. Honed that for me in not a really healthy way, and it's funny because I just um, yeah when we're recording this, I had just just recorded an episode with uh, our friend Eric Garcia and, and Tyler Grogan, and we were talking about our experiences unplugging, and uh, because I thought that'd be fun. This is our second year of it, and so we're doing a look back on what changed this year. Um, but one of the things that that we were talking about was was recognizing how some of the things that became skills for us in the clinic actually probably were pretty unhealthy. Um, yeah. And, and this was one of them. So as a manager, like I put everybody else first and you take care of you take care of the clients, you take care of the patients, you take care of the team, everybody else comes first and then all my work starts. And yeah. so I learned how to be the master procrastinator and work under the deadline and the pressure because that was that was what i thought the expectation was of me and in doing a lot of personal work this last year i did a lot of a, a lot of painful yeah. work looking at myself and and looking at my career and and what i recognized is that the majority of the time i put that expectation on myself nobody else said to me i expect you to work a 10-hour day and then take 8 hours worth of work home and get it done i didn't have the i did not I was avoiding conflict and not saying, hey, you've given me 25 things and I have time to do 20 of them, which five things would you like me to put on the back burner? Like I was afraid of that hard conversation, whether it was with my practice owner or my field leader when I was in corporate practice, like I put a lot of those expectations on myself. And so I think that was one of the lessons that I learned and, and Eric and Tyler and I kind of got into that uh, in the episode. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited because it was a really good conversation about how often we let the clinic environment like we celebrate that like we celebrate those days where we don't take a pee break or we work so like because we're constantly like one upping each other it's like oh let me tell you about the week i had and and i think that that's a really unhealthy place to, to be and i found myself um there and and when i switched to to you know being out of full-time practice and and working full-time with you um It was a big shift for me to kind of look back at some of that and recognize that I wasn't necessarily ending my full time practice career on a good note and that I was there was a lot of unhealthy things happening. And I I think that that is true. And so that has been work that I have really had to do this year is like recognizing that in myself and like you recognizing that. This is a superpower, but it's not a good, it's not a healthy superpower. Yeah. <laughs> the ability oh, sure. to procrastinate and work well under pressure and get things done. And so, um, I have had to be really intentional about it. And I'm, I am, is still very much a work in progress. <laughs> and I still, you know, I still, uh, screw it up. And there are still days where I'm like, oh God, I'm putting, you know, I'm going to put that off because I just, I just can't. Um, and also recognizing that it isn't, it isn't just me and, but in a much healthier way, because it wasn't just me in the practice, but I put everybody else's needs before my own, because I thought that that's what I was supposed to be doing. And I think this year for me has really been about um, dismantling some of those ideas about what it means to actually work together and, and be a part of our team, uh, be a part of a team and, and recognizing that it is, everybody has different needs. And sometimes it means putting other people's needs before yours. And sometimes it means stepping up and saying, I have 20 things on my plate and you've given me 25, which five, Andy, I need your help. Like, which five would you like me to take off my plate today? Cause I can't do it. Um, and, and, and when we've had those hard conversations, the things that have been reiterated to me by you have been that like, oh yeah, I never would have expected you, t- like I would never want you to take that home. And that's where I mean, like so many times as a manager, I put that on I put that on other people, but it was the story I was telling myself in my head. Like there are so many times where I told myself, my practice owner is gonna be mad if I don't get this done. So I'm just gonna take it home and get it done. Whereas if I really stopped and asked them, I don't think that I would have gotten the same answer that I let myself tell myself in my head. And so I think that that has been part of it is like, for me, that's definitely has been the third lesson is that like, getting curious about things and challenging the stories that I might be making up in my head has been the best gift that I've given myself this year is when something happens, just asking, is there more to this story? What else could this mean? Am I, you know, could I be making something up in my head um, and really slowing down uh, to ask myself those questions? Because it yeah. is really hard work.
1: Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, Um. I think that there's a level of discipline, again, that comes with growth of, you know, when it's a small group, and it's all for one and one for all. And we can only do as much work as five people can do. I think throwing in and helping everybody as much as you can, I think that's that's noble. At some point, the hospital or the business gets so big that if you throw in yes. on every emergency, you will never go home. Yes. You know what I mean? And so I think that's a, a good way to look at it. And so at some point, it's the discipline of as you, as you grow, it's staying in your lane. You know, it's like it's staying in your lane, which it, it, it sounds so counterintuitive. But it's sort of like as the organization gets bigger, it's more helpful to sort of stay in your lane than to just dive in and try to rescue other people. It's it's better for the other people. It's better for you. And it, it, I just I think that that's really interesting. But anyway, it, it's all of these things are just things that you think you learn as you get older. And like at some point, you get tired, and and your cho- your choices are. I'm going to readjust my workflow and my expectations. And, you know, I'm going to kind of set some boundaries in, in how I do it. And it feels like you're letting the team down. Sometimes you're like, I'm setting boundaries, which means I'm not going to work as hard. And it's, it's not even necessarily that. It's just looking at what's truly important and saying, this is how much energy I have to give or how much time I have to give. I'm going to make sure that I'm putting it into the place that matters the most. And like again, that's that's that discipline and that patience and it's boy, it's it's hard. It doesn't come naturally. It is a it is a it's an intentional choice. That's that's challenging.
0: A hundred percent. And I would say that that was the most powerful thing that I took away from from this year. And I think is a good a good ending spot. Um, one of the stories that I told myself as a manager and with our team was that I have to be available. Like I have to like a good teammate means being available. And I was the manager who would answer the call. I answered the phone, you know, in the middle of the night. I answered the phone at, you know, four o'clock in the morning. I I, I thought that I was doing a good job if I was constantly plugged in and constantly connected to my team. And it was no exception when I came on board with our team. And it, it was interesting because when I started working with our team, I was working around my clinic schedule. And so kind of the expectation was that it was I was doing work at odd hours and I just realized this last year that i told myself a lot of stories about that in my head in the sense that i was like oh i have to be there and if somebody asked me to do something like i gotta get it you know i gotta do the thing for them and um what i what i realized uh the most powerful lesson that i learned this year was that i um i had a i had a moment where i recognized like i am getting crispy. I am a little burnt out and I am tired and I am frustrated and we're going through so much change. And if I'm going to keep going, like I've got to make some changes. And I took my work email and I took Slack off of my phone, like entirely didn't just turn off note, like remove them both from my phone. And it was just like, the world is going to explode. And you know what? The world did not explode. <laughs> the world did not end. And, and there were times where there have been things that have been important. And what I realized is if it's really important, you guys all know where to find me. Like you can pick up the phone and call me. And that's how I know that it's important. And it was as a manager, like I was so afraid of that. I was so afraid of disconnecting and taking, taking email off my phone or not being available to my team. And a lot of that was wrapped up in what I was telling myself about what it meant to be a good good leader. And so I think, uh, I think it was just, it was so funny because I was so afraid of it. And now I actually look forward to coming in on Monday and like starting the day and not feeling like I'm starting behind, but like nobody actually had the expectation. Like if Andy gets an idea and he sends me a message over the weekend, he's telling me because he's excited to talk about it. He's not telling me because he has the expectation that if he sends me a message on Saturday that I'm going to pick up and start working on the thing that he sent it sent me. But there was something in my head that the voice that was telling me like, oh, yeah, I'm really excited about this, too. And if I want to be a really good employee, then I'm just going to go ahead and get the thing done because I know that we have other appointments and I know that we've got other stuff on our schedule is not dissimilar to the clinic. And I think that that was a really powerful life lesson for me this year um, was learning to, to lean into some of those boundaries. And, you know, I think some of it comes from we often get told, how often that our listeners say to both of us, you guys just seem to know and be talking about the thing that I needed to hear, like when I needed to hear it, and it's so funny for both of us because I can't tell you all how often Andy and I will do an episode and go, "Gosh, that has so many parallels <laughs> to, to what's really happening uh, behind the scenes or in our own lives right now," and it's true for us as well. And so I think that that was that was very much the case. We got a lot of a lot of great emails from the from the mailbag this year that that really helped us go. Maybe we need to look at this.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been a good year. Yes. I mean, it has been, you know, it's been it's been challenging in a lot of ways, but challenging in good ways, I think. Yeah.
0: I am looking forward to 2024. And I hope um all of you are too. It's gonna be fun to see everybody out there. And it seems crazy to be thinking that we're recording this in November and we're already talking about about events in January and February and beyond. But like I'm looking forward to seeing everybody out and about in in the vet med world in 2024, and there's lots of lots of exciting things coming. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a big year.
1: Cool, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, guys.
0: Have a great week, everybody. Well, gang, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. And as always, this was so fun to dive into the mailbag and answer this question. And I would really love to see more things like this come through the mailbag. If there is something that you would love to have us talk about on the podcast or a question that you are hoping that we might be able to help with, feel free to reach out and send us a message. You can always find the mailbag at the website. The address is unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag, or you can email us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you again next time.